Man, how about that? How about that testimony? I was like, man, what, what, what class have you been in all year? I was like, I don't think I was teaching that one. <laughs> Jesus has been in that place. So praise God. Uh, I'm glad that you're here tonight, church, on a uh, Halloween Sunday. Kind of weird, huh? I love it, though. Light in the darkness. So I'm glad that you are uh, prioritizing this space. And I'm just going to ask you to pray with me. And we're just going to keep walking with Jesus tonight and you know, we've just been in this place where God's been coming in different ways, and He's teaching us what the kingdom of God is all about. And I just, for me, want to posture my heart to just so be moldable to whatever God wants to do. And so, yeah, just pray with me, and, and maybe just confess before the Lord. There's power in what we confess with our mouths to God, and just tell Him it's, it's all on the table tonight, God. And Lord, I just, I just give you control. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, God, not with song, God, but with this space. I give you, I give you my song tonight. I give you my heart. You know, God's not just looking for your song. He's looking for space. He's looking that you would give him the holy space inside your heart. Every man has a throne within his heart that God is desiring to take his seat upon. And in the, the Holy of Holies, there was the Ark of the Presence and it had the angel wings. They were molded of gold on top of the Ark and, and there was space between those two wings and that was the mercy seat where the presence of God was known to inhabit. It was just space. It was just space. God, we give you space. We give you time. We give you our presence. We give you our ears. We give you our hearts. God, we give you control. We say you can say whatever you want. You can do whatever you do. Just, just let us see your kingdom. Let us behold you, Yeshua. Let us worship you, Jesus. And we honor you, God. We're not here just to hear another message, Lord. <laughs> the world doesn't need another message, Lord. The world needs your kingdom. And you're the one who showed us that the kingdom can come through a message. So we want your kingdom tonight, God, to manifest through words, through scripture, through space and time. Holy Spirit, you have permission to take the things of Jesus and make them known to us tonight. Amen. You know, silence isn't empty. The silence is filled with a silent one who's known to often whisper 
in times just like this. So give us ears, God, to hear that whisper. We're not building the kingdom of God on earth. It's already been built. Jesus cried on the cross, it's finished. I have done the work the Father sent me to do. The kingdom has been inaugurated. The only thing that we're doing is learning how to access it. It's already built. It's like the best co-laboring relationship in the history of the world. He did everything. And then he just kind of gives us the fun parts. You get to access it and be the instruments through which the power and the goodness and the glory of it gets revealed into the earth. That's a good word. We're not building the kingdom, it's already built. It's already done. And the kingdom of God is here right now. Sometimes we get a little lost in recognizing what is this kingdom? Because it's hard to conceptualize, it's beyond our human capacity to comprehend actually. It's, it's bigger than what we can quite fathom, but we know Jesus told Pontius Pilate, he said, my kingdom is not of this realm. So the kingdom of God, it's a different realm that Jesus inaugurated. He came and it's been breaking into our realm for 2,000 years. It's been breaking into our realm through the church, which is not an institution. It's a bunch of people like you and me. Bunch of people that caught a revelation, something that our minds can't grasp, but our spirits can. Caught a revelation to see something our eyes can't see, which is called the kingdom of God. And then we become the ambassadors of this kingdom and we bring its reality into the broken reality of humanity. It's already done, it's already built. We just get to take what Jesus has already built and say, here it is. I have good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God. The kingdom is at hand. I think one of the biggest issues in the church is that the church doesn't understand what the kingdom is. We sing these songs and we say these words, but we haven't caught a revelation of what the kingdom of God actually is. I think we're going to spend our life catching a revelation, but God wants to take us deeper and deeper and deeper in, further up and further in to what the kingdom of God is all about. 
kingdom of God is not the church, but the church has a role in bringing the kingdom to earth. Our life has been set apart by God to be ambassadors of this kingdom, to be ones who wave the banner that the kingdom of God is now. And we're meant to live a life that so exclaims the goodness and the fruitfulness and the glory of God that people look at our lives and say, what kind of life are you living? You're living right next to me in the same planet that I am, but with an entirely, it seems like your life is worlds away. And it's because it is. I live in a different realm. I live a different life. I live with different oxygen. I live with different food. This is Jesus in John 6. He's hungry. Meets a woman at the well and the disciples come and say, have you eaten? He says, I have food you don't know about. I have different food. I have different nourishment. Man doesn't live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, every whisper. This is a whole new way of living life. Jesus was an alien. The word we use for that is holy. We forget that sometimes. That's what holy means. You're not like me. You're different. You're other. You're alien. You're, you're unique. It's just like we can't really quite get a word for it, but it's your God. But Jesus came with the task to make us aliens, pilgrims on earth. Make us this list we see in Hebrews 11 of this whole people that became aliens and sojourners. They became pilgrims looking for a city that has foundations whose builder and maker is God. Jesus came to so mess us up with the real thing as we start tasting and seeing and drinking this kingdom reality that we're like, I'm not made for earth. For some reason, it's the people that recognize most deeply that they're sojourners and pilgrims on earth that have the most influence to change earth. I think the church has forsaken so much influence on the earth because we've tried to be of the earth too much. We're of the kingdom. It's just a good word. We're aliens. Just say that. I'm an alien. I'm a pilgrim. I don't belong here. This isn't my home. It's all true. Your home is in the heart of God. Your home is living in the kingdom reality. I have no idea what I'm preaching tonight, by the way. So... So we have to recognize Jesus. We have to see Jesus in light of the kingdom of God. If we miss the kingdom, we actually don't fully understand Jesus. Or because Jesus came with the mission to communicate to us what the kingdom of God is actually like. And so Jesus came with the most insurmountably huge task of bridging two worlds. This broken, sin-filled planet called the kingdom of man and then the kingdom of God. And Jesus came as an ambassador of the kingdom of God. And it's incredible. Like, we learn a lot about the kingdom to see the ambassador that God sent, which is Jesus. And he doesn't send him as a conquering king. He sends him as a baby. Wow. Dependence and humility. That alone speaks a lot about what the kingdom's like. He's not a king like earthly kings. (laughs) His power is not like what we think. The, the, the emissary that gets sent from heaven is a baby. 
And Jesus comes, he spends 30 years learning our language. We talked about this a little bit about a month ago. But what I want to zero in on is he spends these three years, which is what we have in the Gospels, which is his earthly ministry. And we have to understand the Gospels in this light, that everything Jesus was doing for these three and a half years of earthly ministry was one brilliant communicative act about what the kingdom of God is. It was Jesus's doctoral dissertation on this is what the kingdom of God is like. And Jesus spent 30 years learning our language so that he could come into the language of the ancient Near Eastern culture and fully express through this brilliant communicative act, this is what the kingdom of God is. Every single thing that Jesus did was revealing the kingdom of God. He was living under the immediate, direct leadership of God. He was so mirroring who the, what the nature of God is like that he actually gets a little upset in John 14 when Thomas says, show us the Father and it's enough for us. And he says, don't you get it? I have perfectly demonstrated to you who the Father is. I have been living like his puppet on earth. He pulls, I move. He pushes, I go. He speaks, I reiterate. I have been living in perfect union with the Father. And then John 15, as he flips the narrative, and he's like, now you get to do the same thing in union to me. I am the vine. You are the branch. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you another helper named the Holy Spirit whose sole job will be to make me known because he'll take all the thoughts and the things that I'm thinking in heaven. He'll make them known to you. I've told you many things, but I have a lot more things to tell you, and I'm going to send you another helper named the Holy Spirit. He'll be the life force of our union so that I in heaven and you on earth will be bonded through the union of the Spirit in the same way that I, why I was on earth, was bonded with my Father through the union of the Holy Spirit so that the way I can look at you and say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, the day will come when the world can look at the church and say, if you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so good. I just love the gospel. That is all in the Bible. This is literally 0% my message. Right, and so Jesus... we. We, we really need to fall in love with this Jesus guy, right? We really need to fall in love with the Gospels. The four Gospels are like the gold standard of the Scriptures. It's all inspired by God, but I honestly value Jesus' words more than Paul's. I hope Paul doesn't bother me one day with that, but, like, I just love Jesus. You know, if it's red letter, it's like, boom, that's the law. You know what I'm talking about? we got to fall in love with this Jesus guy. We need to study his life. We need to really immerse ourselves in understanding what was this Jesus guy doing on earth because he was revealing the Father, and I meant to reveal Jesus. Right? My life should be lived in such synchronicity with Jesus through the bond of the Holy Spirit that the world has seen Jesus through looking at me. So when we look at the Gospels, I think it's really important because sometimes we get into like the little individual narratives of like Jesus did this and he healed this person, he did this, but we miss like the macroeconomic view of like this whole thing is contextualized in Jesus revealing the kingdom of God to us this other reality that he made a way for through shedding his blood. That was why Jesus said it's finished. 
It was, he was pierced. The, the veil of his flesh was ripped so that we could enter through the holy of holies in heaven, not just on earth, and come and sit at the right hand of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus made a way through his sacrifice for us to have unbroken communion and entrance into the kingdom. He shed his blood so that we'd have access to the kingdom and we'd receive the spirit so that we could live this kingdom life. So two things that I want to look at tonight, just talk about, that are so widespread throughout the entire Gospels are that these two manifestations that are kind of two sides of one coin. They, they, they're similar, but they, they operate in different ways. And that is that Jesus healed people. Can I get an amen? amen. Like there's healing all through the Bible. You can't really read the Bible and, not, and miss it. You know what I'm talking about? It's like... It's always there. He's healing somebody. Then John goes as far as to say, if I was talking about all of these healings, they would probably fill up all the books in the world. So otherwise, I just gave you the highlight reel, you know? And, and so Jesus healed people, and then Jesus delivered people from oppression. And in both of these things, there was, there's power, right? So Jesus was demonstrating that the kingdom of God actually has power, and it's the highest, like it's the alpha reality. Right, so there, sickness is a reality, sin is a reality, uh, oppression and kept, you know, people living in bondage is a reality. But Jesus is showing this kingdom of God, it's the alpha reality. And when the kingdom of God clashes against someone who's in the chains of whatever it is, uh, they, the, there's usually the same outcome, you know what I'm talking about? It's like light comes and the darkness leaves. And people are like, Wow. The kingdom has power. It demonstrates that, that this reality that Jesus is demonstrating and speaking of is the truth. Right? The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth that proceeds from the Father. Right? We are living in a world right now in this country where subjective, uh, subjective reality is really widespread and all kinds of people are living in these different realities because words create worlds and the things that we put our faith in and that we believe actually create different paradigms of thought and different realities that people live in. You know what I'm talking about. You've had conversations with people. You do this all the time that you're like, yeah, you live in a different reality than what I live in. We're both seeing the same thing with very different interpretations, right? There's like, there's, it's messy because there's all types of competing voices getting, try to get us to put our faith in those voices. But Jesus says, I am the truth. And if you continue in the truth, I'm the way, the truth, the life. If you continue in my word and in the truth, the truth will set you free because the truth is the highest reality. And Jesus is coming and he's manifesting healing and he's bringing deliverance to the people that he's ministering to because he's trying to demonstrate that the reality I'm talking about, this kingdom of God, it's the truth. It is the reality with a capital R. It is God. It is the only thing that's real in life. It's, it's, the, it's, it's, it's eternal. It won't change. It's an unshakable kingdom that though everything else may shake, this will remain. My word will remain. My promises will remain. My kingdom will remain. It will never end. So it's really important, right? So the reason Jesus is walking in power and the reason that power is important for the, the Christian understanding of the kingdom is because it demonstrates it's the highest reality. So Jesus, this is so evident all throughout Jesus' ministry. 
Right? He tells us that if uh, the kingdom of, you know, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Right? We see him like go across the sea and he meets this guy that's been living in the tombs and chains and shackles, you know, and, and cast out a legion of demons. So we know there was many of them. They go into the pigs and run into the bank and die. And you're like, that would have been quite a sight to see. And I don't think these are just stories. This is what Jesus was doing all the time. Right? And this is still happening today. Like the, I, the first time I ever had an experience with someone that was in like a, like a, that type of a, a oppression or demonic possession, uh, it was actually right here. It wasn't in, in India. I've seen it a lot in India. I've seen people, I mean, literally fall on the ground. They'll shake like snakes. And then the Spirit of God will come and set them free. I've seen all kinds of crazy stuff in India. But the craziest one I ever saw was right here in Treasure Valley, USA. And uh, it, was, I was, it was in a Nazarene church, and uh, it was like on a Tuesday or Wednesday morning, and they called in a couple of the people that they thought were charismatics, because that's only what charismatics do. You know, they only charismatics pray for uh, deliverance. But I kid you not, we were praying for this individual, and they started screaming so loud, I thought my ears were going to break. And it was like six, I think six different voices that would come out, male voices, female voices, all types of things, gnarly, gnarly things. I mean, like, gnarly. It's like Halloween isn't as gnarly as what I saw. I just, I was, I'll put it that way. Like, I'm serious. It was like gnarly. And uh, we had no idea what we were doing. It probably lasted for like five or six hours. She couldn't even put her cross necklace on because it would burn her skin. That's how gnarly it was. And by the end, uh, she, got, she got saved and sent us a picture that night. Uh, it was actually her birthday. We found out she got free. She sent us a picture with that necklace on. It says, not burning me anymore. You know, so I, I just, like, this is happening. This is, this is real. This, you know, she was in occult practices. Uh, we live in a city where New Age spirituality is quite high and rampant. Uh, I even talk to people within the church that are experimenting with things like crystals. We have to recognize that there's an enemy that wants to still kill and destroy. There's a spiritual world. I know it's not popular, but there is a devil. That's what the Bible says. I believe in the Bible. And there is a devil, and he wants to kill you. And the best way an enemy can ruin your life is if he makes you believe that he doesn't exist. I think it's like, how stupid can we be? Look at the world. Look at the brokenness. Look at the darkness. Look at whatever's going on. It's like we act like humans just decide one day that I'm going to do these horrible atrocities. No, there's a liar that's trying to augment our reality so that we'll listen and walk into a thing called the kingdom of darkness. And the kingdom of darkness is here in Boise, Idaho, just like it is in India, where they're worshiping, you know, in temples on the side of the street. There's temples all around this valley. There's people that are, you know, all kinds of lost and brokenness. Right, there may be people in this room, and there's no shame about that, but the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So it's important right, that we recognize Jesus is like, boom, power. <laughs> My reality wins. The kingdom of God is at hand. Right, and then he heals. And in healing, he's speaking, he's speaking, I believe, a love language to humanity because it's kind of a universal problem. It's a, a you know, sickness, disease, is a manifestation of death. That's what it is. So we know that sickness and disease traces its way back to the curse, back to sin. It doesn't originate from God. God doesn't have sickness. He doesn't give sickness. You know, it's like, it, he's like, you know, you can search me. I don't have it. It's not here. It's not in heaven. It's eternal life. And Jesus is manifesting that reality. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it comes with power. And there's all types of healings. And uh, those are happening to this day as well. 
Right, but this is, this is the point of what I think Jesus wants me to get at tonight. And this may be offensive for some of you, and I'm trying to lead you out of a place of offense to a place of understanding that God is calling us to actually live. Like, you know, he wants us to model the same thing. This is the, the healing and deliverance. There's power that's actually meant for all Christians to walk in. Right, John 14, Jesus says, greater works than these you will do if you believe. There's a lot of debate on what these greater works mean. You know, does it mean like more works, more miracles, more healings? Does it mean like greater ones? You know, like, you know, you, more, you can imagine super miracles or something like that. But the only thing that there's really no debate about is that it actually means greater works than these. It doesn't mean lesser. There's like no controversy. Go right to the Hebrew. It doesn't mean lesser, and it doesn't mean none. <laughs> yeah. This is super profound. Greater works than these you'll do if you believe. There's probably something to that. I don't want to talk about faith or belief tonight. I'm just trying to contextualize this in the, in, in, in the kingdom message, right? That Jesus... if. If we want the world to look at us and see Jesus, and we read the Gospels, there has to be some expression of power in our life. Right, we can't fully say, I've made Jesus known to you, if there's no healing and deliverance flowing from our life. I'm not trying to step on toes. If it's stepping on toes, he's stepping on your toes. I am preaching the word of God. But th this is the thing I, I, I want to get to. Right, so here, here's the picture I have in my mind. We have a lot of babies in the church. Uh, there's probably more babies on the way. Uh, we've had a lot of words that were in a baby boom season. Praise be to God. Um, but but if, if you notice, I, I don't really think that many babies suffer from an insecurity that they're never going to walk. Right? It's like... Can you imagine a child in his child or her child language at like four months old, like, you know, mom, I don't know if I'm ever going to walk. <laughs> well, why? Because I've never walked. But, but you're going to. Your legs just aren't strong enough yet. You know, it's like, can you imagine if you have adult conversation with a four-month-year-old? You know, it's like, you'd be like, no, 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 no. Like, don't, don't form a, a theological camp around your four-month-year-old body. Like, I promise those legs are going to get strong and you're going to walk one day. You're a walker, not a crawler. This is what a lot of Christians do. Is we form theological beliefs that, that aren't coherent with the kingdom of God reality that Jesus is inaugurating and preaching and teaching and demonstrating around our immaturity. And I believe that the enemy actually works really hard to keep a lot of the church stuck at a four-month-year-old state of being, and it's like, and actually deeply convinced that I'm not a walker. Like that healing stuff, that prophetic hearing from God, and miracles, and deliverance, and demons, like, that's not my story. I'm not a walker. I'm a crawler. And what I found is that if we... and that, this is, this is where I have a lot of compassion, is that I actually think in, in a lot of p 
people's experience in probably many years in the church in this aspect of their discipleship, they were, they were not adequately fed. And so in some ways, the church has actually stunted the growth of the people of God walking into the kingdom. And you see this, the more you travel to like the global south, you see this because it's like new Christians see healing there. Like, cause that's usually how they got saved. So like, they don't need this, all this theological teaching and working. They just like believe Jesus did it. So I'll do it too. And they're desperate, you know, and they want it. So it's, it's interesting where you'll see people that have never had Bible school, never gone to catechumenate. Never, never learned how to worship, never been in a worship set any, any close to this, never, never had Bethel TV on YouTube, never, never had a book. They never even read a book in Christian, Christian book. They never even read it. They just, they just believe. And, and somehow I, they, they're walking where people that have had the key of knowledge taken from them by those who should have entered themselves, but instead it's kind of created this stuntedness where we're crawlers. And I can put myself there. I actually struggle, just being open with you, I struggle having faith for the power of the kingdom in this country. I operate very differently when I go over there. I have faith. I've struggled here for faith and healing and particularly around healing because of how much unbelief there is and it's it's it, it encroaches onto me like i've struggled but if you believe i'm like if you believe so there's this stuntedness here right but jesus wants us to be walkers where we are called to walk in the kingdom and if we'll look at jesus and take our eyes off ourselves we'll start finding confidence this is what i want to do tonight i want to take our eyes off ourselves because again right we we've made healing and deliverance we kind of make it about us like i don't know if i have that gift i don't know if it's god's will to heal i don't know you know god's will's a mystery i don't know uh if if this is you know for me i don't know if i have the gift of healing i don't know i don't know if the, i think that's a charismatic thing then we make labels we have all these different types of things that if we're in a crawling state we kind of can create shields pretty easily to try to like shield us from having to take any responsibility for us not representing jesus to the world and I am not trying to uh, actually create any condemnation because I actually believe that it's a yoke of condemnation and it's the spirit of fear and insecurity that keeps us here. And it keeps us having to create these, oh, like these, these answers, these interpretations for why the breakthrough doesn't come. Because I think if I could pull this room, everybody would probably have a pretty similar frustration, which is like, why does God heal sometimes not all the time? Like, why does breakthrough come sometimes, and why does breakthrough seem to tarry? Like, well, I, I prayed, and this didn't happen. We probably all have stories of a deep disappointment. I mean, if you have disappointment in this area of your life, just raise your hand. All right, so we're all on the same journey here. There's disappointment. And I think what happens is if we're only in this place of crawling, and we don't see the big scheme picture of Jesus trying to grow us into the kingdom reality, and he's teaching us how to access that which he already established through his life, we lose sight and we start focusing on our self. And when we focus on ourself, it's like, 
you know, I don't know. It's like it gets emotional. We have disappointment. We have sadness. And we forget that healing and deliverance and the power of God coming is actually nothing to do with us. It's actually what Jesus did to reveal the glory of God, that God has power over sin, sickness, and the devil. Right? Sometimes I think we get so insecure, we go to pray for people. And we're like, I don't know if I have this gift, and I don't know if it's going to happen. It's like, it's not about you. And I'm preaching to myself. It's not about me. It's not about us. This is about God. Right? And this is the thing. I, I want, this is a really basic night. I, I may do like a class one night where I just create a Q&A in response to this because I get nervous talking about these topics because it's very nuanced and I don't want to disturb your faith. So if you have questions, that's good. Right? But I'm just going to kind of speak things pretty honestly and some basic principles in this, and that is this. What we see from the Gospels, undeniably, unequivocally, you can't really challenge it, is that it is God's will to heal and deliver captive people. Okay, that has very nuanced implications. I actually think there's a lot of ways that healing can come. I believe in doctors. I believe that God's a lot more creative than we are. Okay, but... Beyond that, it is God's will to heal and deliver people. That it, you can't look at Jesus and find anything different than that. You just can't. Like you, you have to form your own theology to wiggle yourself free of all of that. And then two, it is God's will that we, the Christians, pray for the sick and for the captive. That's enough to believe. It's his, that's his will, and this is what he tells us to do. This question, why doesn't it happen? I, I, I may step on toes here, God give me grace, but this is what I find, is that if we don't have, you know how Peter says, it's in First Peter, he says, I, I would like to give you meat, but I have to give you milk, because you haven't had spiritual maturity. I'm going to give meat right now. It might be too much for somebody to eat, and I'm not trying to mess with you, okay? But because so many Christians, I find, live under this yoke of insecurity and the fear of judgment, and this, particularly with God, this fear of condemnation. So this is what I find, is we pray for someone, the breakthrough doesn't happen. And I find that if we're living in, in insecurity, and I used to live in this place, I have to kind of create an interpretation that shields me from any responsibility because it's too hard to look at myself. It, I, it's like, it's too scary to be like, well, I guess I don't know how to access the kingdom like Jesus did. I'm not saying this in a way to put blame upon ourselves. God doesn't put blame, right? Jesus had disciples for three years that didn't know how to do it. They didn't know how to do it. Jesus is discipling. So you know what the word disciple means? A learner. Right? So Jesus started with infants, and he taught them how to crawl. Then he taught them how to stand. Then he taught them how to start fumbling around in their talks. And then he taught them, ultimately, how to start walking. And the whole way through, you know how a child learns how to walk? It's like mom and dad be like, you got it. You got it. You got it. You took half a step, you took one step, you fell again, you got it, you got it. You know what, I don't think children ever deal with insecurity about if they're gonna walk or not, because they're not listening to those messages. 
They're just listening to the message of mom and dad, and they're looking at what their eyes are saying and what their hearts are saying, right? So this is the thing. So much of the church is crawling, but they're afraid to admit to themselves that they're crawling. And we get offended if someone stands on a stage and says you're crawling when you're meant to be walking in the kingdom of God. And, and, and power coming through your life. God is not a performance. He's not judging you. He's not like, ooh, what's wrong with you? You don't have enough faith. That person doesn't have enough faith. Like all this stuff. I think that walking just looks like we have to start obeying Jesus. You healed. You set captives free. I'm called to do the same thing. You know, John Wimber, who is the pioneer of the Vineyard Church, we're in a Vineyard Church tonight. This is one of their biggest church plants in America. Uh, he was a Mennonite, and he caught a revelation from the Scripture. He became convicted in his heart that the church is called out of obedience to pray for healing. He started doing it for years. Zero. Nobody got healed. To the point that he would cry before service with his staff, God, why do you ask me to pray for people when they're not going to get healed? And God would say, obey me. Obey me. Thank God he kept obeying him because it pioneered this international move. But the first person he ever saw got healed, he went to someone in the church, they had a fever. <laughs> and he's like, he said he walked, he walked to their house, it was a house visit, walked in with no faith, laid his hands, and the Spirit of God came on this woman. She jumped out of bed healed, like Peter's mother-in-law. And, she, and he, I, I cracked up. It's, he has a book called, uh, I think it's called Power Healing. And he's sharing this testimony. He says, I was walking in my car. He said, I got in my car, started driving away, and said, I got one! <laughs> one baby step. But this is the thing. I feel the church... Sometimes in America, it's like we're waiting for Gabriel to come with the trumpet and doo, 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 pray for this person. It is finished. We get to become like children again. And look, I understand there are complex questions there is deep disappointment. There's all these narratives that we can get drawn into, but it's the childlike ones that will enter the kingdom. And this is childlike faith. If any of our children were to read the gospels, not one of them would come to the conclusion that Jesus doesn't heal, not one. And that's what a child would hear, is this is what the kingdom looks like. It has power over sickness. It has power over disease. It has power over death. And then a child would hear Jesus, you know, James 5, someone's sick, have the elders anoint them with oil and pray for healing. You know, Jesus tells his disciples multiple times, he sends out the 12, he sends out the 70, lay your hands on the sick and they will recover. He in the Great Commission says, go out, preach the gospel, these signs will follow you. Speak with new tongues, raise the dead, cast out the demons. It's not complicated. It is harder to obey here, though, because it's not very popular. We live in a postmodern, 
science-driven, rational world that has a lot of skepticism. And if I'm honest, skepticism, it's been hard for me, even battling it here culturally, because it's like, I think people are going to think I'm one of those weirdos. I'm going to get labeled the crazy charismatic pastor that has crazy meetings and believes this stuff and da 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 like there's just all types of people that pick you apart but I heard this a couple years ago it was a guy that was doing ministry in I believe Afghanistan or Iraq and I think it's Afghanistan and the pastors were scared to talk about Jesus to people because uh, you know they were getting killed and martyred and this guy was over there and he was like they felt the Holy Spirit say to go pray for this person which literally they knew could cost their life because I believe someone had been martyred in that same place within a month before this so they're scared death but they find the courage and the boldness and the Holy Spirit and it's this American guy with them they go out this miracle happens someone gets healed it leads a family to salvation and they are like fired up when they get in the car and they're driving back from this back to their home and the pastor start asking this American guy like do all the Christians in America do this like do all of them do it because they're, they're not afraid they're gonna get killed and he started weeping and he said no he said like none of them do and the pastors, these Afghans, are weeping, like, why? Why? And he's like, because they're afraid of what people will say about them. <laughs> Whew. So this is what I'm convinced of. God is teaching us as a church how to enter into the kingdom. Hey, and, and I'll just like, I'll, I'll just put myself, I think I'm somewhere between crawling and walking myself. Just being like full transparent. And I want to walk. I know I'm a walker. And I, and I know that we're walkers. And I, I know that this is, um, like I said, I'm open up a can of worms. I know this is nuanced. There's probably a lot of things, a lot of real conversations, real good questions. But we can navigate those with the wisdom of God. But I think we can figure those out once we've become obedient. Because I find that a lot of the arguments that we want to get in and the deep theological questions and the implications and the disappointment and the emotions and all these things, they actually are coming when we are not doing what Jesus has told us to do. So I think we can, we can tackle those successfully when we have already found a place in our heart, when it's like, no, this is what God has revealed the kingdom to us as, right? We get in trouble anytime we say this is the will of God because God is sovereign and he can do whatever he wants. I'm a reverence guy, so I never want to encringe upon God's sovereignty. I'm simply saying from what Jesus reveals to us about the kingdom, we can come to a pretty firm theological grasp that God wanted us to know healing's a huge part about who he is. And then God is nuanced, he's sovereign, he can do whatever he wants, but he's told us, this is what I want you to do. So we have to do what he's called us to do and let him do what he wants to do. And unapologetically say, I believe in supernatural healing. I believe in laying hands on with faith. I believe that we lay hands of those that are oppressed by all types of things, that we lay hands and we tell people, I believe in a kingdom that's truth and it's reality and it's a higher reality and it comes with power. And I believe that God will fill the church, these seats in church 
but they're not going to come because like, I just don't think the wineskin of the church that's coming is like, let's just come to hear another amazing sermon. Like, no, like people need to be taught, but, but it's not my job. I actually don't believe that it's my job to fill the church. I think it's your job. Like, like in the sense of I have the same job with you to be a walker out there, but it's not my job up here as a preacher to fill the church. It's your job because people are looking <laughs> for truth. <laughs> They're looking for the reality of God. They're looking for Jesus. They're looking for a king who's good and humble and wise and holy and healing and has pr- solutions to problems and has answers to questions. And like, these are just two manifestations that I'm just bringing to light. But like this kingdom thing, it's a whole nother reality. And I'm a walker and I'm not walking yet, but, but these boots were made for walking. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like you, you need to start prophesying to your own feet. You need to start speaking to your own legs and say, these were made to walk. I am a walker. I walk by the spirit, man. I'm not just going to crawl. And if you're crawling, do not beat yourself up. All right. And actually, so, and I was talking to Ebo. Are you here tonight, Ebo? Oh, he's not here, but a couple weeks ago, he said, you know, dude, he said, I've heard all these people in my life for so long say, you know, I don't go to the church because churches, I'm not into organized religion. And it was that anointing service two weeks ago, and he was sitting back there, and he's like, I was sitting back there going like, this is not organized <laughs> religion. <laughs> you know, praise be to God. Because if God is leading the church, how could it be organized religion? There is really not a lot in here that's organized. <laughs> We're like, yeah, the greatest uh, teacher of the early church will be the terrorist that was killing all the Christians <laughs> Like, it's just nothing about this is very organized and put together and cosmetic and polished. But it's powerful. All right, so this is uh, actually, there's a few things that I feel the Lord wants to do tonight. And the first is this. Um, The kingdom is not just words, it's power. And there's power tonight. And I think God wants to deliver people from a spirit of fear. Right, there's different degrees. Not everybody's going to be like screaming in six you know, different voices. That's like pretty deep, usually occult practices and stuff. But a spirit of fear comes. And this is the picture that the Holy Spirit gave me earlier as I was praying. Is that there's people that are crawlers, but I see that there's like this swaddling cloth of fear that's been wrapped around you. And, and, it, and it doesn't allow you to move. Like you literally feel like you're stuck. You hear a message like this, you're literally hearing my message right now and you feel stuck. You feel like there's an iron wall between you and the reality of what I'm communicating right now. And I just, it's like a spirit of fear and fear is what produces insecurity. Fear is what produces this like, I'm afraid of the condemnation. I'm afraid that if I'm not doing all of these things that God doesn't really love me and he hasn't really anointed me and he hasn't really chosen me. There's all these toxic mindsets that actually form this bond bondage that keep us as crawlers. And I feel the Lord actually just wants to break through that tonight in some of your lives because you are a walker and and you're not a failure. Like failure is never final where there's a father. The church lives in fear of failure. I just want to confess before all of you, I fail all the time. I'm not talking about morally. I'm talking about as a minister. I'm talking about learning what is the Holy Spirit doing in the room and trying to discern. And it's like, oh, yeah, 
I don't know if I did that. Probably missed that. You know, it's like I fail all the time. I've had so many experiences where what I believe for didn't happen. We've raised money twice at this church for buildings I thought the Lord said we were going to buy. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't get them. <laughs> I don't think God was lying. I wasn't hearing. You know, like I have faith, but I'm learning. Like I am a learner with you, but I'm a walker. I am a walker. And before my days are done on this earth, I believe that I'm going to reveal Jesus in a greater way than I am right now. You could say, how much of Jesus can we reveal? Like, how holy can we become? I don't know. I don't know the depth of the extent of sanctification on this side of death. But I do know that it's more than I am right now. There's always more. And I, I, like, I long, I long for the day. I've heard stories of people that they'll be walking down the street, minding their own business, or like sitting, there's a guy, he was, uh, it was Smith Wigglesworth, he's sitting on a train, and a guy was reading his newspaper, and he just put the newspaper down, and looked at him and said, you convict me of my sin, just sitting there. Or then I heard this story one time, same guy, he was in this crowded, uh, it was a crowded restaurant in the UK, and uh, he noticed that nobody was praying, for their meal. He wasn't blessing the meal. So he was just kind of like, excuse me, I'm going to bless everyone's meal in here. And he starts praying and the glory of God just fills the restaurant. People start sobbing and repenting of their sin and coming to Jesus. <laughs> That's the kingdom of God. That dude's a walker, man. He's a walker. This is what I mean by this is the greatest co-laboring relationship in the history of the world. It's already finished. Jesus is glorious. His presence can change everything in a moment. And he's just like, follow me, obey my words, learn to walk, and you're going to see greater works than me. Dude. Not dude. My wife gets mad at me when I say dude. She says it makes me sound uneducated. She's saying right now, that's not exactly what I say. It's, it's what I pick up. All right, so, so uh, we're going to pray for people. Uh, there's freedom tonight. I just, there's just shackles of insecurity, shackles like this swaddling cloth. The Lord just wants to remove. Just cut this swaddle clean off. Uh, it's not from him. It's not from the Lord. You are not bound to your current state. You're a learner, you're a disciple, and you are a walker. And you're going to walk this thing out. You're going to figure it out. You're going to grow up in Christ. And I just even feel that there's a redemption for some people that it says that the Lord will buy back what the locusts have eaten. And some of you have had a lot stolen from you. Some of you are sitting here and saying, I've been in the church for 30 years. I've never heard this message before, and I feel like I've been robbed. No, God is a redeemer of the time. He's going to come upon you, and I just see acceleration coming upon you tonight. But this is what I want to do. I want, uh, if the ministry team can come over here on the left side of the altar, um, I just want you to come, and we're just going to pray. If you just feel like, you know what? I, I feel as though I need freedom. I'm captive to fear. There's something uh, that's kind of keeping me stuck over here. I, I just want you to come and receive prayer from people in the church uh, here in a minute. The other thing is I'm going to have the elders of the church, uh, our leadership team, I'm going to have them over here with oil. And I, I just, the Lord just put James 5 on my heart tonight that if any of you is sick, let him call the elders of the church so they'd anoint you with oil and they'll be healed. 
Let's just do childlike faith and what the Word of God says tonight. And I want to create a space to just pray for healing. So if you need healing in your life, um, I, I'm, I'm going to have you just come, and the elders of the church are just going just to pray over you. Um, and then this is the last thing that I want to do. And actually, Dina, are you here? Yeah, good. I'm glad you're here. This is what I saw earlier. I didn't tell her, so, but I know she's okay with it. <laughs> she's a walker, man. So, I, Dina, I, I feel like I'm supposed to do something just kinda, that's going to activate the church. If you could just come here, I'm just going to honor, and I just have a word to release over you. And actually, maybe someone's standing here to, to catch, because... Yeah, John, will you just... Yeah, Jake, yeah. So, so what, I love the way that the Holy Spirit works in the church, is that he gives gifts to the church to then be, be shared. And uh, Dina is, I just feel like I'm supposed to do this right now. Dina, just publicly honor you. Dina's been given, she's been chosen by heaven to carry gifts of healing and gifts of miracles on her life. And, and, and something's gonna actually activate in some of you. I have a word that I'm gonna release and I just feel I'm supposed to pray over Dina. And what's gonna happen as I pray over Dina is like she's gonna be like a conduit in this room. And some of you are actually gonna, the Holy Spirit's gonna begin to manifest upon you. It may come upon your head. Some of you, it's already happening right now. Um, your hands are starting to burn and God is actually releasing, he's activating something inside of you. So Dina, I just honor you, woman of God, for the gift that heaven has chosen for you to steward and the Lord showed me today that the miraculous is about to increase and I just saw an impartation coming from heaven of greater works than these and I just see more miracles there are greater miracles coming I feel the Lord showed me that there's healing that you've been walking in but there's creative miracles that are going to begin to happen I see it's like what's going to what's been you know like tumors are going to fall off and then the, the metal things the metal braces are going to start burning up and God is just going to use you as a spectacle to release miracles miracles into the body of Christ. And so I just thank you, God, for a lightning rod. And we just thank you, God, that she's been chosen to carry this grace. It's not about Dina. It's about Jesus. And so we just give Jesus glory right now. And we thank you, God, that you would release and activate this gift, God, this gift that you chose Dina to carry before she was in her mother's womb. God, but it took 60 years for you to activate it. We thank you, God, that what you do, you're, you're catalyzing it through this testimony of this woman life and you are activating it in many of this room right now so we just say breathe spirit of God breathe spirit of God breathe spirit of God upon this church thank you Jesus thank you Jesus we just honor your gifts Jesus oh we honor your gifts Jesus yeah yeah all right so if you need freedom I just want you to come get freedom if you need healing, I want you to come and, and have the elders of the church lay hands on you. The healing will come. We're just going to practice the kingdom tonight, guys. We're going to let Jesus just do his thing. This has nothing to do with any human. This has something to do with Jesus. And then lastly is if you need creative miracle in your life, um, I, I want you to come and whenever, Dina will probably get off the floor at some point. And I'm, I want her to pray for you, and, and I'll pray for you. Uh, but we're just going to pray, and we're going we're gonna to put our faith in Jesus tonight. And they're going to play some songs, and we're going to have disorganized religion. Uh, 
if you want to get your children, that would be awesome. And you can just bring, herd them right back in. And, you know, these can be family moments. Uh, you're free to go um, and go in the blessing and the peace of Jesus. Um, but we're just going to stay and let God have his way in this place tonight.